This is The Uprising, starring Steve Alquist. I'm your host, Greg Brailsford. Today, we chat with Sherry Cruz and Maggie Kane from Yes We Cannabis R.I., a discussion about weed in the Ocean State, plus Steve's latest updates from the Statehouse. Happy Monday, and welcome to The Uprising, everyone. Steve, we got another interesting topic this week. Oh, yeah. This is a really big week for cannabis legalization in Rhode Island, right? We have the Senate putting out their bill, which is very large, full of a lot of different details, um, maybe lacking on some social justice and uh, uh, justice reform aspects, but we're going to get into that with Maggie and Sherry. Then yesterday, the governor put out his plan for marijuana legalization as part of his budget proposal, and his plan is similar but different in key ways and also has some social justice concerns and some, you know, police reform concerns that I think we're going to get into. Um, It's really important to realize that when we legalize, quote unquote, marijuana, cannabis in the state, we need to do so in a way that acknowledges the failed war on drugs, the number of people we've put in the incarceral state in Rhode Island, the amount of money we've spent on that and the lives we've ruined and the impacts this has had on communities of color in this state, right? Not across the country, but in this state specifically is what we're worried about. <clears throat> the uh, Are we going to use the money that we generate from cannabis to help communities or are we going to increase the amount of policing these communities will be subject to? And and the other thing too to consider is that, you know, increase, you talk about increasing policing. Um, when you look at, you know, crime statistics, crime is down substantially from, nice. you know, 80s, 90s, 2000s. It's, it's down. That's a fact. And then you look at, so what are police doing now? What are the police doing now that crime's down? You're not getting a lot of violent crime. We talked about uh, something like 90 plus percent of police calls have nothing to do with violent crime. Um, so now you've got, you know, drugs off the, off the list now. So marijuana, police are always against the legalization of marijuana because it, it, it's, it keeps their job security, mm-hmm. right? So... Sure. Uh, with with marijuana being legal, what now you need fewer officers. You need fewer officers than we already had, and they want to increase policing. Is that what I saw in, in Dan McKee's budget? Yeah, that that's... Calls uh, for, for more state police positions? Not only are we, hiring, are we talking about hiring 35 new state police officers, three of them will be entirely funded by proceeds generated from the marijuana legalization program. 35 new police officers. And do they try to even bother to substantiate why there's a need for 35 new police officers? On one level, you can think there's always retirements happening at the state police, right? So I don't know if 35 police officers are retiring or not, but sounds high for one year, but maybe, right? So you might make the argument that even keeping things level funded, you know, we need, but this doesn't seem to be that. This seems to be an increase of 35 officers because we're not, you know, theoretically, if an older officer retires on his pension, it's cheaper to hire a new police officer, right? That person doesn't have all the salary increases they would have gotten over their lifetime of service. Correct. So in a sense, hiring new replacement police officers would always be level or lower. But in this case, that's not the case. We'll talk about an increase, I believe, I believe, of 35 officers, three of which will be entirely funded through the marijuana legislation. This seems like the opposite of what we would want to do with money from marijuana, or cannabis, we want it. We would want to use that money to, let's say, you know, <clears throat> do social justice programs that would be able to help impacted people, right? or education, or or literally anything but hiring police officers. We just don't need police officers. We don't. Right. I mean, you know, and, and the fact that this money is being funneled to something with zero return on investment, 
is just crazy to me. It's it, and you know and it's something and I'm sure this is something that'll be debated over time. But uh, I because we're a social justice podcast, we want to like talk about what those will look like, and we'll talk about that with Sherry and uh, Maggie coming up. So yeah, all right. So I mean. We should definitely get our, our two guests on. Uh, I think we have Sherry on first today. Sherry's with uh, Yes We Cannabis RI. Looking forward to talking to her in just a moment. And our first guest from Yes We Cannabis RI is Sherry Cruz. Sherry, welcome to the show. How are you? Sherry, are you there? Can yeah, you hear me you okay? Yeah, you have me here. I apologize. Oh, no, that's okay. We're just making sure. I, I didn't know if we lost you or not. That's great. <laughs> well, welcome to the show. So, so what we wanted you on for is because there are... Uh, as you know, two proposals now before the uh, Rhode Islanders about the legalization of cannabis. And I know that, you, yes, we cannabis had some social justice issues with the bills as being expressed. And I was wondering if you wanted to go into a little bit about what those uh, concerns are. Oh, yes. Great. And thank you for having us. Um, yeah. And part of a coalition, you know, social justice is a key issue that runs through throughout it. And we have, you know, many different people who represent on this coalition. And one from the perspective that, you know, I speak from on the coalition of Yes We Cannabis is one of someone directly impacted and family members and friends who are directly impacted. So I guess I'll start there as far as some of the key social justice issues really is about repairing the harm of a lot of that collateral damage that came out of the war on drugs. Um, inflicted on people, you know, that are still paying for those consequences from barriers to employment, housing, education, even fines and fees, and and lost time with loved ones through incarceration. Um, So one of the, you know, really key things, uh, key social justice issues on that is really around expungement and automatic expungement. So that's one of of the areas really um, highlighting from the coalition and our key areas. Um, currently, right now, we have expungement, but again, it really it limits who can be have things expunged, uh, certain criteria, uh, cost to that. We did notice in the bill that there actually was a waiving of the fee, which, you know, that's appreciative, but it, it needs to go further. It truly needs to be automatic um, because really people... We know from the thousands of records that still exist, there's still an issue with our expungement laws, and we can really strengthen them for a key social justice issue, um, like including all marijuana charges, right. anything that has to do. Yes. Um, I'm sorry, I was disagreeing. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, no, no, no. I thought you were going to have a follow-up question. But yeah, no, I mean, it's like having all marijuana charges, right? If you're going to have the state now profit in billions, Right. How do we start to repair that harm? Right. right? Where you're going to have two classes of society you're going to create. Those who've been damaged for decades, generations, right? Two, three generations um, that we're saying, hey, wipe those clean. You're about to profit now. Wipe wipe those records clean of all marijuana charges, whether it had been um, a misdemeanor, a felony, uh, you know, for sale, intent. These are the things the state is about to do sale, distribute, grow. These are all the things that people have been harmed from. Um, so that that is very important to us that that happens right. um, to repair the harm. Can I ask um, about truly. can I ask about expungement as it exists right now? If if I'm eligible for expungement, the way it works now is I have to go and I have to petition the court, have a lawyer with me, I guess, 
And it's mm-hmm. a process that can take plus time and money to do. Oh, yeah. Sometimes months. and depends which court you're in. Kent or Providence, right? Some mm-hmm. courts are a little slower than others, uh, especially if you're somebody of color. Like, they're going to take even longer, unfortunately. It's, it's, it's really, we see this play out anecdotally. Um, and then there's another lynch. There's a little other pin people don't realize in the expungement laws now. Many, if there is another charge tagged to it, like a disorderly or resisting arrest. So say, you know, and this happened to my own son, right? Who's a black male and you didn't have your ID on you and they found a small amount of marijuana, um, you know, less than three grams, okay? Now, if he were to get, um, you know, that arrest, they charge him with their marijuana, they're going to tag on a resisting. What that essentially has done to thousands of Rhode Islanders currently now is disqualifies them from expunging it because it was another record. So people, you know, the technicalities of it, we know there's room for improvement. And we know those types of charges are usually tagged on to black, brown, and poor people. Mm -hmm. Because they don't have the legal representation to actually fight those kind of charges. And then let's think about it in in reality. There would have never been that actual interaction or that secondary charge if the marijuana charge wasn't there. So we're saying anything connected to it in that regard. Now, do we think there's going to be pushback? Yes, but we're talking about social justice and equity. We're talking about a billion-dollar industry that the state is about to profit. We're talking about, hey, you know, let's repair that farm and give people a chance. This is not only an expungement, you know, that could be on this mass scale. could also bring millions of revenue to people who actually can now get jobs and housing because right. of those records that were holding them down. So this is like a two for like the state can profit from the actual sales, but then repairing that harm of all the families and the generations that they actually could heal. So, so we're really pushing uh, expungement in that regard um, with this coalition. Now I've talked to the uh, attorney general about automatic expungement in the past, and he claims that it would be onerous for them to have to go through a backlog of people who have these charges and then expunge it without going through the court process. Um, what do you think of that? Well, what I just laid out, what's yeah. more onerous? Somebody's getting paid in a job to actually do their job mm-hmm. and clear some records or actually freeing people from decades of harm of barriers right. to employment and housing. That actually can benefit our state. Right. It's that it's that statement of biting your nose despite your face. Like really like to us, it makes common sense that, you know, this is your job. I mean, we could, you know, actually do this. You did a good job on the war on drugs. You criminalized. You locked a lot of people out. We're asking you to repair that harm. Right. I mean, and that's it. I mean, there was some some talk about. Well, we couldn't actually do that. We know the AG. He's the top person in the state. I've met him. He's a good guy. Like, I really believe he wants to make a change. So we're hoping, you know, hey, you know, dig in your heels and do this for the people of Rhode Island. There's thousands of them suffering um, with this with this barrier and asking that, you know, you clean these records. And that, um, yeah, and that would be part been. of, like, using the money that's generated from this to do the work of making past offenses committed by the state in the war on drugs, right and whole, right? To do our best to try to undo those mistakes. Exactly. See, it, 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 it really is. It's, it's putting your best foot forward in letting, you know, the people of Rhode Island know that you are willing 
to repair that harm, that you do actually, you know, care about people's lives and the, the state of our economy, right? I mean, this is this is what we're talking about. If you want to get dollars and cents, people can get back to work. People can get housing. People, people can have their children back. You know, talk mm-hmm. about the civil liberties of it, too. And that's another social justice issue is, you know, parents are being harmed, too by this war, you know, with violent, you know, taking away children and, and parental rights interfering with. There's there's so many threads of this that, and it's complex that we're hoping through this coalition we can educate so we can understand that this really is a social equity, you know, built. if it's done right, it could have a great impact on the state. Yep. Not to mention the the amount of money, we were talking about this earlier, uh, the amount of money it would save on, save on law enforcement. You know, because, you know, think of all the law enforcement uh, actions that take place as a result of, of marijuana, you know, whether it be uh, no-knock raids, which can be extremely harmful, traumatic to children, uh, you know, that have nothing to do with anything involved that happen to be at the house, um, you know, to the, all the officers paying all these officers to police a plant, you know, essentially is, is what we're doing here. We're saying you can't have a plant, and if you have this plant, we're going to send uh, people in to commit violence against you and take you in and arrest you and... And, um, you know, and you raised a good point about the, uh, the attachment um, offenses. When people get picked up for marijuana and they get disorderly or they get resisting attached, uh, it's, it's, it's important to note and, you know, talking to public defenders like uh, Representative Batista, uh, they'll tell you this. Every public defender will tell you this, that police just add those charges on. Nobody was resisting. Nobody was disorderly. They just add them on to, to mess with people and to get them to plea out or whatever it is, you know? Yes, exactly. You you got it. You, you know, you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what was happening. We're just asking to repair that harm. Okay, you use those tactics. You know, no one wants to go out. We're just asking you to move forward to repair that harm. I mean, the cost of law enforcement. I mean, we're talking about law versus, law enforcement then diverting their time to to you know other things. They say you know public safety. This isn't one of those things. Um, we have murder rates up. We, like, I mean, murder rate is down, but but the solve. I meant to say the the crime rate, how they solve it, right? Maybe divert some more resources to those things. But this this is a failed war on drugs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is a harm from from a family who's had their doors kicked in and and had these no knocks and for for things you know as cannabis. Um, and that's why it's it's really important to repair that harm. But it's a great point you bring up around the law enforcement piece of this. And this is good for law enforcement because they can divert their resources to what they need to. And this is not this is not it. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. I know you have to get going. You have another thing. And uh, we're going to talk to Maggie Kane next. So thank you so much for being here. Today. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank Sherry, you thanks so much. So much. Keep up yeah. the great work. You too. Take, take care. care. All right. So we have... Sherry Cruz for you. Very interesting conversation. She knows her stuff, that's for sure, um, regarding you know the harms that, that marijuana has inflicted on um, anyone that gets caught up in the justice system with regards to you know possession um, or what have you. You know, and it's just bizarre when you think about it. People always talk about how you know, the United States, if we're a free country. You hear that from when you're a little kid. You were a free country, free country. And when I became a teenager, I wondered, huh, we're a free country. Why, why is a plant banned like you can't possess a specific type of plant like it naturally grows in the ground and you can't possess this plant that seems to me not very um free country-esque steve (laughs) uh no it's not and uh she she brought up some excellent points i mean expungement being automatic 
Right. It should be. And and I don't buy that that garbage about the AG's office can't do it. They they it's just technically not gonna be possible. Give me a break. If it's I a mean, matter of it's gonna cost more money or I have to dedicate resources to it, then we're generating the money through the marijuana legalization program to pay for it. And what kind of antiquated system are they using there well, that you can't look up, you know, specific charges? They have like every charge is a code, right? You type in a code and then oh, we bring up people that got convicted of this code. How hard is that? And if you're not doing that, what the hell are you doing over there? Uh, I don't know how that works either, but I do know, you know, we have things called UHIP. <laughs> that was a computer system that failed us completely. So I don't know what their computers are like, really. But Well, it, UHIP is not related to what? No, but I'm just saying okay. that in general, the state doesn't seem to do computer stuff all that effectively sometimes, right? And if there's any, and if you can't remove a charge, like, I don't know why you can't just go call up everybody who has a marijuana charge and hit delete. Yeah, well, I think you can. I think it's when they say they can't, they're, they're substituting uh, don't want to. Uh, they're using can't instead of don't want to. So, you know, I think that's what it boils down to. And, uh, you know, just, 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 you know, come out, come out and be transparent about it if that's the case. And now Maggie Kane joins us. Uh, Maggie, pleasure to have you on the show. This is Greg. I'm here with Steve. Hi, Greg and Steve. Thank you for having us today. This is great. Thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate your t- giving us the, uh, your time. This is a... Uh... You know, I really love talking to you about this subject. I think you and Sherry are the perfect people to talk to, at least (laughs) initially, as we get into what this cannabis legalization in Rhode Island is going to look like as we go forward. Right. And hopefully it's going to look, you know, really good and based on social equity once we're done with it. So that's hope so, right? (laughs) (laughs) That is the hope. Right. At least as much as we can. (laughs) Now, I know that you... Uh, your group, Yes We Cannabis, Rhode Island, sent me some really good um, statements about what we would like to see in terms of social equity for the group, but uh, for the uh, legislation. But have you had a mm-hmm. chance at all to review any of the governor's proposals? I have. I personally have not. Okay. Um, so I do know that he, um, from the quick review that we have done, um, he is focused a little bit more on um, the specifics of the social equity and the commu- um, you know community reinvestment. Mm-hmm. So um, it is a little bit bolder than let's say the Senate bill. But then there are some you know smaller things that may be problematic, like uh, the Senate bill surprisingly does allow for home grow, right? Which right. we as a group sort of suspected that that would not be on the table since um, that's always been sort of an issue um, with the medical program. So we were surprised when the Senate bill included that, but in the governor's bill, that is not included. Right. So, um, you know, it's just going to be these sort of little differences. And and then, of course, like the House will have their version, too. True. So it's just right. So it's just sort of coming together. Um, And I, you know, there are some, you know, bones um, in the House of people that do know some real specific things about, um, you know, criminal justice and the expungement pieces of it. So we are looking forward to that. Yeah. I, one of the uh, concerns I had looking, you know, I hadn't had a lot of time to go get into the deep, but I was looking at some stuff from uh, Sam Bell this morning. um, And he Mm. noted that part of the money for the generated from the marijuana or the, I'm sorry, the cannabis legalization is going to be um, used to fund at least three state troopers in the Academy and add 35 new officers to the state um, troopers. And I was wondering if that makes sense, if we're going to take such a crime off the books in a way, why Mm -hmm. do we need Mm -hmm. more police officers, Mm -hmm. not less? Right. And that is um, a concern that 
we all share. And, you know, in this, for me personally, it has a lot to do um, is we need to really move past the stigma. The country has moved past the stigma of um, using cannabis, whether it be medicinally or recreational. Mm-hmm. And this, at least I can speak to the Senate bill as much as I appreciate um, the fact that they have accepted you know, that they do need to move forward on this for a multitude of reasons. Rhode Island remains the only state in New England that has not legalized cannabis, right? right. right. Um, the first lines of the Senate bill are about um, law enforcement, right? So it's almost as if it's a regulation and a taxation of cannabis, but it isn't the legalization of it. They, have, they are creating ways that they can, you know, over-police it, um, over-regulate it to the point where it really isn't much different than what it is now where it's decrim, but it still affects people's lives on a daily basis, but it just gives them the, you know, the cover, Oh, it's legal, but we still are going to, you know, really over-regulate it and over-police it because at the end of the day, as politicians, I hate to say it, but it's a very political, it's a political issue, right? right. Um, about the support, you know, the very vocal support, of the police and they still operate under this idea that people are, the public is afraid of people who use cannabis when the reality is, is that it's probably potentially 40 to 50% of Rhode Island. Right. Wow. Oh yeah. um, Yeah. I believe it. You know, Um, um, they really, the reefer, I, you know, I call it, it's like, Oh, it's the reefer madness coming back. It's like, Oh, we're going to let you have this, but we're still going to control it because we can't let you get out of control because, you know, to do with the, um, you know, the fact that it's still, um, you know, classified, I think as a scheduled one drug federally and, you know, a a piece of our, um, you know, as a, a coalition, we really want to get cannabis off the controlled substance list. So that this is just not an issue anymore, and yeah, we can just move on to other more, much more important issues, right? Right, right. It does seem so, uh, incompetent that the federal government still classifies it as uh, not just an illegal substance, but one of the most illegal substances there is. Um, right. It's just bizarre. And you brought up a good point about these limitations. You know, when you look at these bills and you see, uh, you know, this will permit uh, people in Rhode Island to grow, you know, uh, one tree in their house or and, uh, one plant, sorry, and, and or carry mm-hmm. one ounce. And it's like, all right, if this is legal, I don't get it. What's the difference between one ounce and two ounces? Well, what does two ounces mm-hmm. do that one ounce doesn't do? I don't, it's legal. Like, like, I don't get it. If I, like, cigarettes are legal, right? And they're taxed pretty right. heavily. And if I want to go right. buy tobacco from some farm and I want to make my own cigarettes, I can do that. And there's no limit, to, to my knowledge, there's no limit on possession of tobacco. You know, I, it's not limited to one ounce or two ounces or a pound or anything like that. Uh, I know a couple right. of people that make their own cigarettes, you know, because they're cheap and don't want to pay the tax. And I get it, whatever. If you want to go through the trouble, that's fine. But with marijuana, it seems to be different. I don't, I don't get it. You're either gonna, you're doing half measures, right? It seems like, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's you're, like you said, it's legal, but we're gonna just, you know, give a lot of limitations so we can still keep the police on the beat and still, you mm-hmm. know, have these 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 racist type policies here where we bring in, mm-hmm. you know, black and brown bodies because it's legal, mm-hmm. but hey, there's still enough limitations that we can uh, still take you down. Right. I mean, and there is, I do have to point out the hypocrisy of it is that you can go into a liquor store. And again, to your point, there is, you know, who's looking over your shoulder to monitor how much, you know, um, you know, liquor you buy. And we exactly. all know that 
obviously there are a lot of substances that we are much more free to consume that are much more harmful than the cannabis plant, right? And I can't answer whether it's because they're afraid the tax money will slip through their fingers or that they want to look like they're, you know, that tough on crime idea of the politician, which is, I thought we left that, you know, maybe in 19, you know, 2000, 1996, right? Um, it's, there's still this idea there. And um, I can't really speak to why they're focusing, you know, specifically while they're, why they're focusing so much on law enforcement, but I can, you know, I can guess about it. And to your point about how, um, you know, still this over control is going to fall on, um, you know, communities that have already been disproportionately affected by the war on drugs. And I'll point out that there was a report, right? So if you're caught um, with cannabis right now, you know, there is the potential that you up to an ounce, you could get a ticket, right? The ticket I think is $150 fine. Well, they, they write a lot of those tickets, right? And they broke it down from, you know, different cities. I think Warwick might've been the top, um, producer of those types of tickets. And the majority of those tickets were issued to, you know, people of color, you know, the BIPOC community. That's so, so surprising. It, wow. still is being, you know, <laughs> continued. So, right. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Warwick and I can tell you the majority of people there are not people of color, right? So they're right. handing out right. the majority of tickets to the minority population. And we know right. from statistics that um, cannabis use is pretty consistent across racial. Uh, identity yeah. so mm-hmm. absolutely but the prosecution of it you know we know this is majority on you know the black and brown community so another thing that and, came up this morning um that i saw was that the mckee legislation still bans the use of marijuana vaping or smoking in uh assisted housing or in uh subsidized mm-hmm, housing mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and so it will mm-hmm. still be a crime if you live in a uh you know, like, let's say any, any place where the government is assisting with the housing, you could still be a crime and you could still end up being arrested and evicted for doing something that would be legal for every other person in, in the state. And I don't, I can't even begin to get my head around. I mean, I understand technically why that might be the case because of federal right. funds or whatever. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But I don't understand why we would make this an issue or have our police arresting and enforcing federal funded I mean, on this level, it, it seems like uh, really counterproductive and not in the least bit um, equity based. Right. And it just goes, and again, it's this idea of what is this bill supposed to do? What's the, what are the goals of this legalization? Mm-hmm. Is it to, you know, create all these new traps that people can fall into that really hold back their lives when it comes to housing, employment, you know, um, you know, child custody, right? Or is it to really sort of move this conversation forward so that we can sort of just become a, a better um, state, right? And focus on things that are really important other than, oh, we're going to go bust somebody for vaping, um, you know, because they are in subsidized housing, right? right? Or right. if you live in an apartment building, which I've lived in apartment buildings, you know, I've never heard anyone say, and I, you know, it's, it never stopped people before. So I don't know why it's the issue now, <laughs> Right. right. I mean, it's, it's, it it's seems funny. to be a it seems to be a direct attack on minorities and people in financially disadvantaged situations. You know, there's this there's this um, it's the word I'm looking for. Uh, there's this notion that um, 
people that are on uh, assistance, whether that be you know the housing, right. whether it be SNAP, whatever, they're not allowed to have any vices. There's no fun permitted whatsoever. We give you this money, Absolutely. and it has to be spent on food. It can't be spent on don't alcohol. Don't buy mm-hmm. cigarettes. Don't buy anything that would possibly mm-hmm. give you any sense of enjoyment. You know. And, mm-hmm. you know, it just has to be food and it has to be like, you can't even buy certain types of food. It has to be like specific food that we want you to buy. And it's like, are you joking? Right. Like, like who right. are these, these horrible people right. that don't understand that these are human beings that, uh, you know, are in a situation, um, many of them, because we many, many generations ago put them in that situation. Okay. Right. And, and we're saying, no, you're not allowed to have any fun. Like, when does it end? When does the harassment end? Yeah, no, I, I feel you. And I, I, I share your frustration, right? Because I, I, and the fact is, is that this racist, classist war on drugs may be the reason why a lot of these people are held back, right? It's like you're saying. So it's just, there, this, the, the legalization of cannabis in Rhode Island really may not uh, end this ugly, ugly cycle that really lies on our shoulders, right? To really right that wrong. Um, because we've all benefited, you know, from it to some degree. So I do feel um, this is my, I, uh, an issue that it, I hold very dear and I spend a lot of energy on it, but I also do feel like I've been able to, you know, sort of skate through life to some degree. And I don't think that that's right. Mm-hmm. You know, so personally, that's how, you know, I do share that sentiment a hundred percent. And, you know, I'm going to go back to, um, you know, Senator Acosta, he's great. Right. And he always, when he makes speeches, he sometimes throws in a line from a rap song and, <laughs> you know, I, and it's great because it, it, it will succinctly put his point right there. Mm-hmm. And one line that always comes to me is they say, you know, it, uh, there's this line that, you know, war on drugs so the police can bother me, not a war on poverty. I don't think I got the line exactly right. But that's what it, they chose, right. right? They chose a war on drugs instead of a war on po- poverty. And that continues to this day. So, and the over, you know, policing of um, that population continues. And it does, you know, you listen to people say, oh, look, at the, they have a Starbucks or they have a phone or whatever kind of crap that line goes, right? It's just, it's sort of this piece that really does need to be erased from our thoughts as a whole. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Thank you so much for being on. This is a great conversation and I really appreciate you and Sherry coming on today. Um, Greg? Oh, yeah. Maggie, mm-hmm. uh, very interesting conversation. Really appreciate it and, and uh, support your efforts. Um, I myself know many people that uh, you know, support, use marijuana, whether they have a medical marijuana cut or not. And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, people grossly underestimate the, the number of people that have u- that use it either, you know, regularly or once in a while. And uh, right. you know, I appreciate you bringing the attention to this issue and, and definitely keep up the fight because uh, in a quote unquote free country, uh, a plant should not be banned. That's just my feelings. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Take care Especially and you have a wonderful week. Yeah, thank you. Thank you All so right. much. All right. So. Maggie Kane and Sherry Cruz, uh, great conversations with them about the um, you know, situation in Rhode Island and how we can hopefully get on the path here to full legalization because it just yeah. it doesn't make sense to me. The whole ban starting in the Nixon era and the war on drugs, it just never made any sense to me. No, we need to complete decriminalization of cannabis like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, right? <laughs> we don't need, you know, we don't need it uh, to this. I mean, yes, there'll be some complexities here, but really um, it's... 
the complexities, you know, don't matter. We need to get it done because people are suffering and we need to undo the wrongs of the past and we need to get going on this. Uh, it's just clear to me that the numbers of people who are being hurt right now by this, people who are denied education, employment, housing opportunities right now because they have some stupid pot possession charge on their record from years ago, right? That, that is terribly unfair to them. And it just perpetuates a cycle of abuse and poverty that you know we're all too happy to support here in Rhode Island. It's just it's just so stubborn. The whole the whole policy, especially on the federal level, because the federal level they're they're classifying it as the most dangerous drug. Yeah. And everyone knows, everyone they know it's not the most dangerous drug. It's not even remotely on the radar of the most dangerous drugs. And yet they keep it on there. And it's just it, it just reeks of incompetence. Like we we try to hold ourselves to the world as this bastion of democracy and we're great and blah blah blah. Yeah, we're banning a plant, and we're trying to convince everybody it's the most dangerous substance that we classify. And we're putting people in jail at numbers that aren't even close. We have more people in jail than China does. And China has many times our population. So this isn't a percentage of population question, because in that case, we blow them away. This is more people in jail than totalitarian communist China does. Imagine that. And it's it's such a waste of money, too. Like, when you look at the money we pour into marijuana crime enforcement, it's mm-hmm. just, it's baffling. You look at everything from uh, the number of police we have out there. We have way, way too many police, mm-hmm. okay? And if you don't believe me, you know, go, go try and get information from a police department about uh, the crimes they respond to and the number of officers required for those crimes, and get some statistics on on what they're actually doing. And you'll find that um, a lot of it's just hanging out because uh, crime is down, you know? And and so when marijuana uh, takes a back seat, you know, the one thing they can kind of of get you for that can lead to other things, you know, when that's gone, it creates a, a, a problem where you just, you have all these officers and there's nothing for them to do. You know, so you're wasting all this money on, on policing, okay? That's number one. And with that comes cars, comes equipment, comes all the stuff, not just the labor, but all the equipment, all right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got, uh, you in, you obviously get these, these poor people arrested, okay, for marijuana charges. Now you've broken up their family, you've ruined them, um, you've put a charge on their record, you've created the whole justice system now thing they've got to go through here for this marijuana charge, if, especially if they're a minority. If they're white, they can probably skip out on, on something, you know? It's unlikely and, and, if they're white, they'll even be arrested in the first place. Right. And by the way, you know, as, as Maggie had noted that it's, it's a ticket offense in Rhode Island. You don't get arrested for simple possession. Um, but, you know, obviously there's instances where, where you're a dealer or what have you. And a lot of these dealers, you know, people like that don't know how things work, like to picture these, these criminal mastermind dealers. You know, they think of Scarface and, and, and that's not it. You know, it's, it's the people you know, that your friends and, and, and family that just, you know, want to make some money. You know, and and so they, you know, know a guy that sells a lot of marijuana and they buy it and they resell it and that's how they make their money. Yep. What's the big deal? Like, what is the big deal? Uh, well, you know, if there was a place to get it, you know, locally and the price was affordable and the service was good, then they wouldn't buy from these local dealers. But you know what? The dispensaries, they stink, to be honest with you. I've been in them. They stink. You know, the, the one over in Massachusetts here, uh, Nova Farms, I think it's called Nova Farms. Um, ext- I mean, this is not just them. They're all extremely overpriced. I mean, two to three times what a dealer would charge. And the quality is not any better than what you'd get from your, your local dealer. You know, I've, I've tried out uh, in the past a couple of, of um, 
strains of this stuff um, from uh, from the local um, dispensary because I wanted to see, hey, you know, what's the dispensary stuff like? Is it any good? And I found it to be ho-hum. Um, one strain was all right. wasn't any better than anything I've tried before. The other one was downright awful. Um, and you get paying- some people on to do a show about like where the best pot is. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and maybe when it's legal, that would be easier to do, you know, because yeah. then we got to kind of point people to, uh, to not so legal sources or point them out of state. You well, know, we'll, we'll, it- we'll, we'll try not to point people towards not legal sources. <laughs> Sending the people to Massachusetts, which you can get marijuana in totally legal and free and all that stuff. That's uh, you know, that doesn't really help Rhode Island much in terms of tax revenue. And that's the other thing too, that, you know, is, is it worth discussing is that they put up all these barriers, Steve. It's not just, okay, we'll legalize it, but you can only have an ounce and you can only, uh, you know, do this and that and all these restrictions and you can't have it here and you can't have it there and you got to do all this stuff. And, and then it's like, I don't get it. Do you understand that the legislation now at this point is so watered down that people don't care anymore? People are just going to, first of all, people don't need permission to smoke marijuana. All right. Everyone that does, everyone that's using cannabis right now is doing it without the state of Rhode Island's permission, you know, medical people aside. Uh, but all the recreational users are not getting state authority to do this. They're just doing it anyway. So the state, to, to the state, it really comes down to, do you want to make some money off of what's taking place, or do you want to still continue to be incompetent and not make any money off of what's taking place? And I've had conversations with you know, legislators like uh, Arthur Corvisi about this, who's adamantly, uh, has been for many, many, many years, uh, he believes the gateway drug scam. He believes all that stuff. All the Nixon um, lines, he eats them right up and swallows them. About how marijuana is, is never going to be legalized in Rhode Island. It's a gateway drug and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I don't understand how you can call yourself a legislator in America and be for the banning of a plant. It's well, I'll tell you this. We, you know, years ago, before Massachusetts legalized, there was a big push in Rhode Island to and the argument was being made then, they called it the first mover advantage. And the idea was that if Rhode Island had legalized cannabis then, people from Massachusetts would be coming to Rhode Island to buy marijuana. We would have established a system here that would start to work and people could get it legally. Connecticut could come here. Um, New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine would come here to pick up and buy marijuana. We would be simply bringing money into the state. And we would be making the state real money because we could have gotten in there early. And our legislators rejected that idea. Our governor, our general assembly people, they all leaders, they all said no, 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 no. And now they're saying, oh, wait a minute, we're losing all this money to Massachusetts. Well, guess what? You knew that five years ago. This argument was clearly made to you all that time ago. And you rejected that argument. And now you're saying, oh, we have to catch up because all this money is going across. It's going to Attleboro. It's going to Seacomp. It's going elsewhere. And I, I articulated this too to Mr. Corvisi and my own representatives, you know, um, Senator Pearson and Representative Mazkowski. Uh, so I told them the same thing many years ago. I said, listen, you know, Massachusetts legalizes this. At the time, it wasn't legal yet right. um, fully. And I said, when they do that, it's over. Okay, all that revenue is going to just go to Massachusetts. All that right. money's leaving Rhode Island, just going straight to Mass. It's like, you might as well just write them a check, Alex, um, uh, Ryan. You might as well just write them a check uh, for all that money because it's just right. going right over there. And it's just stupid. It's naive. It's stupid for you guys to keep doing this nonsense. And there just never was a push. And now, like you said, Steve, now it's like, oh, my God, what's happening? Right. How did you not see this coming? Well, like, they do. Literally, well, people they told this, you it was They coming. saw it coming because it was explained to them painstakingly over years of unsuccessful efforts to legalize cannabis in the state. 
So Jared Moffitt was leading a uh, coalition at that time. Um, really good kid. Really, not kid. Really good person. Doing great work and constantly, sincerely advocating, pushing, pushing, pushing. Got nowhere. Had doors shut in his face because they did not want to hear this argument that they are now all owning and making. This is their creation. This is the creation of the General Assembly. This is the creation of Dominic Ruggiero, leader, leader now Speaker Shikarchi, and former Governor Raimondo. Um, this is their, this is this, whatever economic crisis this is seeking to solve now could have been avoided completely had we legalized five years ago, four years ago, yep. six years ago. And when you have Republicans in leadership, um, you know, when you have conservatives in leadership, I should say, because technically they run as Democrats, right. uh, but they're conservatives, let's be honest, Gina, um, Dominic, and uh, Leader Shikarchi, although less so than Mattiello, uh, all, all on the conservative side. So that's what happens. You right. know, People say that Rhode Island is a Democratic-dominated state, and technically it is, but these are conservatives, and that's why you don't have, uh, that's why you have no legal marijuana in Rhode Island, and that's why you have voter ID in Rhode Island, Okay. Nobody can look you in the eye and say, oh, you have a fully, you know, democratic, progressive state. And then those two policies are still in place. So there's that. Um, and you brought up another thing, too, Steve, about, you know, these restrictions on marijuana. So you've got, you know, we, I just talked about earlier the possession restrictions. You can only have an ounce. You can only do this and this and this and this and this. But then also when you go to buy it, the taxes they levy. They add these extra taxes. Now, I get it. It's not exclusive to marijuana. Cigarettes have very high taxes. In fact, cigarette tax is like 50% of the, of the cost. And uh, alcohol, alcohol doesn't, have a, doesn't have a tax. They get seven. It's just sales tax. Oh, right? I, thought it was, I thought we had other like import taxes and stuff on it. Maybe not. Maybe, I could be totally wrong. Maybe it's built into the price. But yeah. when I buy alcohol, I mean, I don't drink that often. But when I buy alcohol, I think it's pretty much just oh, the, right. the 7% sales tax. Whatever. If you're in mass, it's I don't drink. Yeah, I mean, I drink just not very often, yeah, so I, I just don't remember. But um, yeah, I'm pretty sure um, that they only charge the seven percent. But uh, like you said, uh, imports, you know, like Heineken or whatever, there may be a, a tariff, you know, when it comes into the country. Yeah, but I, think, I, I thought, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, imports do t- typically cost more than than domestic, and I don't know if that's because tariffs are added on or because it's just more pricey to produce and yeah. get over here. Regardless, we can have we can do an alcohol show uh, next time. Sure, why not? <laughs> so, getting back to the marijuana thing, though, so we put all these taxes on, right? So, granted, cigarettes have like around a fifty percent tax on. I think it's like what four dollars a pack, and then four dollars yeah. for tax. It's like eight bucks or something in Rhode Island. So. We're going to do the same thing with marijuana, and it, it does – here's the thing. See, unlike cigarettes, see, marijuana has stiff competition from local dealers, okay? You don't, you don't call up your buddy and be like, hey, yeah, I need a 20-pack of Marlboros. You know, can you hook me up? It just doesn't happen. There's no real competition for cigarettes. You know, you can go on a number of websites and order tobacco. You can order the wrapping papers, rolling papers, and you can make even buy those little machines that will do it for you. But – you know, that's that's really the only competition. Who wants to do that? Nobody wants to do that. People do, but not really, you know, something that yes. is, it happens very often. But with marijuana, you've got major competition everywhere in every corner of the state. And if you're going to charge 20% tax, I think they're calling for, it's it's pretty high. It's outrageously high. It, it, it is high. high, although it's similar to what is being offered in Massachusetts. And I think that's what they're shooting for. Right. And I that's think the, the thing Senate is, version is a little lower. The I don't know. I'd have to get it all right. but the And I think the governor's proposal is a little higher. 
what Rhode Island should be doing um, if they want to really turn this in and, and, and get some revenue out of it. And, and again, you're not you're not increasing usage. You're just simply taking a bigger slice of the pie is to drop that and charge a 10 percent tax, you know, 7 percent sales tax and then 3 percent uh, for whatever you want to do. Because, all right, number one, you're still getting the sales tax. All right. Because now right now you're getting zero percent sales tax on marijuana sales, zero percent uh, outside of of uh, medical dispensary sales. You're getting zero. So the the millions and millions and millions of dollars that that transact in marijuana through dealers here in Rhode Island, you're getting zero of that. So if you get sales tax hopped out, that's seven percent. Now the state makes seven percent of what was underground sales. Okay, and then you can add on three percent for an educational fund or whatever. It's don't make it a police fund. It's so lame. Um, but an education fund or whatever you want to do. Okay, yeah. or get, help drug treatment programs. Whatever you want to do, that's fine. Um, make it ten percent because that's going to do two two things. Number one. You're going to get more people now that will say, you know what? My dealer is, you know, 60 bucks for an eighth, but this dispensary is, you know, 80 bucks for an eighth. It's not 120 for an eighth. So oh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll go for it. I'll, I'll try it out. Let's see. Um, and I just exaggerated the prices here. But you get the idea. The dispensaries are about twice expensive. But if the tax was cheaper, the dispensary would still be more expensive, but not as much so. And you might have a user say, all right, you know what? Uh, I'll just go here. or I don't want to wait for my dealer or whatever. And I'll just go here and buy it. And you get the revenue from that. You get the full 10% from that, whereas before you'd get zero. And that's what you got to do. You know, when these taxes are high, like Massachusetts, this is a dispensary seven minutes from my house. Um, you know, people that I know that sell, um, dealers, are 20, 25 minutes away. Right. And if we're having a party or something like that, and we're going to want to do that sort of thing, um, I'm calling the dealer because he's further away, okay, but he's cheaper, He's much cheaper and his product's great. So I'm going to call him. I'm not going to go to the dispensary five minutes away. So you right. lost that You lost that tax revenue because you're too pricey, okay? You know, the, this this idea that you can just charge whatever tax you want, people will pay it because they're so grateful that marijuana is legal. Get lost, you I'm know? I'm just going to go on record saying I'm not going to admit to any crimes on our podcast. Uh, well, it's a, it's a ticketable crime <laughs> yes, in Rhode I Island. I'm only, so, I'm, giving, I'm only teasing. Um, and if they want to come to my house, give me a ticket. Good no, I know. I, I get it. I'm just, I'm just goofing around. But I think, it's, I, I think you're absolutely right. The, the logic of what you're saying is 100%. You know, I, I, uh, you know, and that, and that's fine that you, uh, you want to dis disavow it, Steve. But we all know what's going on. I mean, I've, I've read your stories before. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool. I'm not. A, I'm, I, I'm. Yeah, it's fine. It's all good. It's all good, man. Yeah. Um, you know, but it, chances are, you know, someone that smokes marijuana. You know. Oh, yeah, we all do. These horrible t ads you hear on TV, you know, and then you realize, like, if they if they only did it based on reality, it would be like, you know, uh, you know. You know, you may know someone that smokes marijuana, or well, you know, your whole family, or everyone you know, you know. Meth is a problem, right? Oh, for sure. You know, crack, and that's the thing is crack, like coke, heroin. These things are actually problems that and, need to be and dealt meth, with. In a, meth and is it, manufactured, right? Okay? And it needs to be dealt with in a honest, compassionate way, right? Making it strictly illegal is not quite the way to go, in my opinion. But marijuana is not really the problem here. No, no, it should be, it should not be illegal to put anything in your body, okay? You know, if there's reasonable safeguards, in other words, if, if you know, if it's reasonably known that a substance is not safe, you know, whether it's meth, whether it's heroin, whatever, okay? This stuff is all manufactured, you know? Marijuana is not manufactured, it's grown. It's a plant. It should, you know, plants should not be illegal, okay? It's just, that's, that's just the way it is. If it was an invasive species, if, if marijuana was actually like a plant that damaged the ecosystem, whatever, okay, fine, I get it. Like you one know? of those walking mudfish? 
Yeah, well, you, well, obviously there's import restrictions on certain plants, and sure. I understand why that is, because if they get planted in a certain place, they could destroy the native habitat and actually cause real ecological harm, you know, but marijuana has to be planted by people, you know, it's not an invasive species, right. it requires actually very specific conditions to even grow, so, um, you know, it's not one of those things, it just should not be illegal. Now, other drugs... Uh, I get also, I don't believe, me personally, should be illegal, but I think that they should obviously have restrictions on, uh, you know, or some sort of, of way for people to get help if they are addicted, if they end up in that situation where they're on meth or whatever. Throwing them in jail is just a, is a really crappy resolution yeah, to that. To it's just not a, a real smart way to do things. You know, people turn to drugs for a number of reasons and to further criminalize them, it's just not a good look. Yeah, we need to help people. That's good. This has been great. So we're on um, an hour, and I think uh, we have what we need here, but I do want to conclude the show with our villain of the week, All right. Steve. We want to talk about the villain of the week. Um, All right. Yeah, we'll you, switch it up a little we're bit. We're going to have you do your villain pick for the week uh, All right. because I agree with it here. Uh, let's talk about him. All right. Um, I think the villain of the week has to be uh, Dan McKee, right? Um, not because he puts forward a resolution, um, an idea to legalize cannabis, which I think is really important, but I think some of the stuff in there, like using the money to increase the number of police in the state while also cutting the number of overall employees in the state. State employees are down. We're losing over 100 jobs. And then we're making up for some of those jobs with 35 new police officers, state troopers. And I think that's a waste of our money. And I think it's a waste of our um, resources to be doing it that way, especially considering we're talking about getting rid of an entire class of crime in the state. Marijuana enforcement can theoretically just go away now. So why do we need more police? I think, you know, you can argue about how many police we need, but I think we could make a great argument for less. And cutting state employees from Department of Mental Health Services, or BDHA, whatever, you know, we're cutting that. And we're, so we're losing mental health workers and we're increasing police. I think that's the wrong way to go. And so soft villain right now, but still the villain of the week. Yeah, I agree. Um, and uh, runner-up, Villain of the week this week is we want to do a runner-up. Uh, Representative Brian Patrick Kennedy, congratulations, buddy. Mr. Kennedy uh, was worried at the uh, renewable energy hearing. I believe it was uh, last week, uh, late last week, Thursday. I think yeah. it was Thursday night. Um, he brought up, you know, he's obviously against green energy and brought up the fact that we need to worry about the 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 landfill and the trash. Uh, that's going to be created by expired solar panels. That's right, folks. Solar panels, which um, typically after 30 years still produced 80% or so of their original efficiency. In other words, they're still 80% as good as they used were when they first were installed 30 years later. Okay, We have to worry about the trash that's going to come from when those panels expire. Now, <laughs> when will those panels expire? You know, when will they actually be, like, not worth it to have on your roof? I don't know. 50 years from now? 60 years from now? And how, much, how many and of the elements in there could be taken out exactly, and reprocessed? Exactly. Like, these, the, the elements in these solar panels are valuable elements right. and can be easily recycled. First of all, the glass can easily be recycled. Uh, silica and, and everything else in there, almost every component of And the a, rare earth metals, the, the trace amounts that you might have to put in, all that stuff is actually super, super valuable. Right. And the reason that I uh, we consider you a villain, sir, Mr. Kennedy, is because you brought this up, this straw man argument about solar panel trash, okay, uh, to, to, to go basically to fight against the installation of solar panels, okay? Yeah. You know, green energy is the way to go here. Getting solar for your home has, carries numerous benefits, numerous benefits. Yeah. And to come up with a, 
uh, facetious argument about uh, what are we going to do when when um, the panels expire or no good anymore and we have to get rid of them all. I mean, are you bringing that up for iPhones or anything else? Right. Or, I mean, or cars? I mean, there are billions and billions right. more iPhones, vehicles, and whatnot sold that are not 100% recyclable. And where are you on that? Because that's happening right now. That stuff's getting thrown out right this moment. Fossil fuel infrastructure as a whole, all will need to be replaced. Yep. All, and that's all over the place. It's buried in our grounds. It's yep. underwater. Just, just really, really bad arguments there. It's a Koch and, brother argument. And it, it is. And it's, it's, they're so bad, too. Um, you know, it, it's the scaremongering amongst green energy. It's just like, like give it up. Like, yeah. it's... It's insane to me. He want his his bill. You know, just to be specific here, uh, Mr. Brian Patrick Kennedy's bill uh, would require manufacturers to guarantee disposal at end of life before solar panels could be sold in Rhode Island. Okay, imagine that. Now you can't even sell your panels in Rhode Island unless you have this whole plan, this master plan yeah. to dispose of them in who knows how many years—50, 60, 70 years. Who knows? Like I said, 30 years from now, they're guaranteed by their warranty. To be at least 80%. Some of the higher ones like SunPower are like 90% efficiency in 30 years. So these panels do not degrade very quickly. And so they'll be providing you uh, free electricity for a very long time. And Why is Brian Patrick Kennedy, who's always very, very pro-business, no matter what that business is, so anti-business in this one case? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, haven't how checked, many other bills haven't like this money, but in? How many other new industries have come along and says, I want a disposal at end of life of this new industry before I will sit there and, and do it, right? I don't want to put invest in new fishing fleet unless I know how these old boats are going to be used or whatever it is. I, where is this coming from? And you have to wonder what, where, from what hose is he drinking right now? It is funny that these, these, these Republicans, let's just call it what it is, they always are you know, pro-business, 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 but, but then it turns out that it's only certain right. types of businesses, just like we're for the Second Amendment, but only for certain people, a certain shade of skin right. to have the Second Amendment. 100%. You know, it's all BS. Like everything they, everything they stand for is complete crap. Free you know, you can cut holes me. through everything. Yeah. everything. Everything. Yeah. We're against cancel culture. And then if, you know, someone decides to do something, they, they were the first people to be like, we're boycotting that. We're doing right. this. We're doing that. Like, we're against cancel culture unless Disney does a gay princess. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> then, yep. then cancel Disney right now. Yeah, away. we could do a whole whole uh, show on, on how they misinterpret cancel culture. But uh, Maura actually covered a little bit of that in her last episode. So cool. uh, with that, uh, if you had feedback on our show, uh, write us at podcast at rifp.co. And you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and so on. If you want to support our show, thank you very much. You can visit uprisri.com and click donate. I got to tune into our sister podcast, Can We Fix It with Maura, Friday's at 12 p.m. on Uprise RI. And for the latest news on Rhode Island politics, climate change, activism, and all that good stuff, visit UpriseRI.com. Just want to add quickly, we are currently working on the newest version of the Uprise, UpriseRI.com website. It's killer, guys. It's it's freaking awesome. Yeah, you'll okay? love this. This is, you this guys is, have, be, this is some stuff that you really want. Steve has seen it. I showed him a, a, a copy of it, yeah. and he's loving it. Yeah. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change a lot. It's going to be really good. One of the one of the most things I'm excited about is the events calendar. calendar. Um, it's going to be so. It's right there on the home page, and if you're looking for what bills to testify on, uh, any issues, activism issues, any you know, rallies that are taking place, anything like that, it's going to be right there. And people have asked us about this for for yeah. a long time. We've wanted to do this for a long time, and just time constraints and design constraints um, didn't allow it until now. So 
Uh, hopefully, we're hoping the new website will launch uh, in April, and um, and I'm really excited about that. You guys are gonna love it. It's really gonna you know, turn up rise into a real nice hub Just for, in for information. For summer, when I expect we're going to see some people outside with signs pestering our uh, legislators and our leaders. Yeah, and not to mention, you know, hey guys, uh, um, vaccines are, are coming around, yeah. and. Uh, <clears throat> You know, people are getting vaccinated. Um, you know, the virus, unfortunately, is still kind of plateauing as far as infections go because people assume that now that some people are vaccinated, you can just do whatever you want. That's the only explanation I have for why the, the number, the first-time positivity rate number is not changing. It's still, last I checked, it was like 17, between 17 and 20%. So uh, I'm hoping that changes soon. Get ready for um, the roaring 20s that are coming. The roaring 20s are coming, you know, and uh, and hopefully, you know, for it's like there's two different sides of this whole coronavirus thing for some people, you know, they made a lot of money, whether it be on the stock market or just with their job and, you know, are going to have a real roaring 20s, like you said, where other people, we're going to have to really come through for them on policy. Yeah. We really are. Hopefully this 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 tepid little COVID uh, bill that the Democrats and Biden pushed through, the $1.9 trillion helps them in some meaningful way. Uh, it's not everything that we hope for, meaning uh, the $15 minimum wage was a huge, huge self-defeat uh, yeah. self by the Democrats. They decided to negotiate themselves out of that and because uh, the bill got no Republican votes. So everyone that talked about, we need Biden because he's going to be the one that bridged the gap and blah, 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 even though we knew way ahead of time that wasn't going to happen. Um, needless to say, it didn't happen. So there you go. So. We'll get, we'll get there. We're going to fight, keep fighting. Hopefully, the next uh, next stimulus uh, that focuses on infrastructure and climate change will be uh, will be big, just as big, if not bigger, and uh, and think good things can start to happen. But um, but let's keep up the fight here to uh, to fight for the disadvantaged people that can't uh, you know, fight for themselves and can't and, and have to just deal with the brunt of all these bad policies that are still in place here in Rhode Island. So, um, Steve, pleasure to have you, uh, you so as always, my partner in crime here. And um, we'll see you guys, everyone, next week on The Uprising. Take care, everybody. Enjoy your week.